Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I've got a quick question to start here. So just going back to our, our challenge of meet and greet time. So the challenge was to meet someone, learn their name, and then the next Sunday, um, greet them by their name. So I want to know, thanks buddy, uh, who did that? Who did that last week? Who did that last week? You learned someone's name, and then this week you greeted them by their name. Okay. Six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, keep it down back there. So I, you got to keep Eileen, you got to keep her, you know, in check, yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. So I counted nine people. Okay, so, so that's not good enough. <laughs> okay, so we can do better than that. We can do better than that. So uh, Benny was one of the first hands I saw. Benny, what, what's the name of the person that you met and, and who you greeted again this week? Josh. There's no one here named Josh. No, I'm just kidding. We do have a Josh here. <laughs> All right, let's give it up for Benny. He gets a gift card. He gets Tim Horton's gift card. There you go, buddy. All right, I want to begin with a scripture today. It's Psalm 99, verses 1 to 3. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Last week, I think we started to treasure and to delight in the holy fear of God. We started to bring more tremble to our relationship with God. And I think we started to bring more tremble to King's Corner. How many of you felt more tremble last week? I really believe God was pleased in, in our response to him last week. I, 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 I saw wet eyes. And I saw bent knees. And I saw repentant hearts. And how many of you know that was beautiful and that was powerful? Amen? See, that's what happens when we increase in our holy fear of God is we start to draw closer to God. It's not like natural fear that makes us run away. It's not like the spirit of fear that Paul talks about. In, in Timothy. It's not that kind of a fear, right? But, but a holy fear of God draws us closer to him. I like what John Bevere said when he, he wrote, the person who fears God is terrified of being away from God. See, a holy fear of God, it, it actually brings us into intimacy with the Lord. 
a deeper intimacy than, than, than ever before. The, the deeper you go in holy fear, the deeper you go in relationship with God the Father. And so last week we laid a foundation of what holy fear of God is. Holy fear is reverence and godly fear. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For God, for our God, is a consuming fire. Holy fear is profound, adoring respect. Holy fear carries the meaning of awe, inspired by something great and terrific. Psalm 33.8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Holy fear is to tremble. To tremble at the presence of God and to tremble at the word of God. Holy fear is to esteem, to honor, to worship, to adore God above anyone or anything. That's holy fear. We talked about three things last week that would describe someone who has holy fear. Number one, someone who has holy fear loves what God loves and hates what God hates. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Someone with holy fear will not tolerate sin in their life. Number two, someone who has holy fear knows the manifested presence of God. We will never find, the truth is we will never find God's manifested presence in an atmosphere where he is not revered and held in awe. Manifested presence. That's when God reveals himself to our senses. Number three, we talked about how someone who has holy fear increases in that holy fear as we behold him. A truth that we looked at is that our holy fear grows as our comprehension of God and his glory grows. How many of you know that the more you behold God the Father, the more that you behold Almighty God and his glory, the more that we are going to cry with the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Please turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Okay, and so if you're, if you're new to the Bible, Acts is the fourth book of the New Testament. It's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to continue to unpack what holy fear is by, by contrasting that with the fear of man. By contrasting that with a fear of man, okay? And so, a fear of man is when we reverence man more than God. A fear of man is when we seek man's approval and we value man's approval more than we value God's approval. 
It's when we worry and when we care more about what man thinks than what God thinks. Right? A fear of God is when we're trying to please people. Okay? And, and, but, but we're doing that with an inner motive of promoting self. So, so when we have that fear of man, what we do is we try to project an image of self to others that is different than our actual image. We pretend to be something that we're not to impress people, but it's for, it's for personal gain. So we speak and we act a certain way, but our motives and intentions are for self. Another word for that is hypocrisy. Right? Hypocrisy, being insincere, dishonest, two-faced. The heart of hypocrisy is the fear of man. The main reason people are hypocrites. How, have you, how many of you have ever been a hypocrite? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. More than, more than people that learn someone's name. That's for sure. We're just a bunch of hypocrites. Okay. But what was I saying? The main reason people are hypocrites is because they fear man more than they fear God. This, this is why we're hypocrites. Okay, we fear man more than we fear God. And so you guys are going to be so excited today. We're going to be talking about, about hypocrisy and judgment. <laughs> that sounds, that is good. Aren't you so glad? Aren't you so glad you came to church? But well, you were, you were. Um, but we're going to look at a couple in the Bible that, that feared man more than they feared God. And, and we're also going to understand the danger of that. That couple's names were Ananias and Sapphira. How many of you are familiar with Ananias and Sapphira? Okay, quite a few. Okay, and, and so the story of Ananias and Sapphira actually begins in Acts chapter 4. Okay, so the early church was just established um, through Jesus and everything that he did for us on the cross. And the Holy Spirit has come and now the church is on fire, and there is just tremendous um, momentum in the church. The church is thriving. Thousands of people are coming to Jesus at this point. Thousands of people. Okay, People are getting saved every day. Uh, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Miracles are happening on a regular basis. Okay, So that's what's happening. And in the early church, what they did is many people... Uh, would sell things and then they would give all of that money to the church because they didn't want anyone in the church to be in need. So it helped provide for everyone in the church. So no one was in want in the early church because all the believers, everyone in the church, like the body of Christ, would, would give and, and help provide for each other. And so at the end of Acts chapter 4, there's a man... Uh, that the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement, right? So he must have been such a, such a good guy that the, that the apostles nicknamed him 
encouragement. Okay, Barnabas. And so Barnabas sold some land that he owned in the island of Cyprus. And he gave all the money from that sale to the church. Okay, and what you need to understand about Cyprus is that Cyprus was an island of great wealth. And so it's very likely that if you own land in Cyprus that you were wealthy. And so when, when Barnabas sold this, this piece of land in Cyprus, he would have made a lot of money on this land. So this was, this was a very generous gift to the church. This, this would have been very uh, a large amount. And then Acts chapter 5, which is where I've asked you to turn to, this begins, this, this begins with Ananias and Sapphira now also selling some property. And Ananias brings a portion of that money from the sale of that property to the church. But if you notice in your Bibles there in Acts chapter 5, it begins with the word but. But. Right? So it's a contrast. There's a contrast here from, from the way Barnabas gave money to the church and the way Ananias and Sapphira gave money to the church. Okay? And so this is the difference. This is the contrast. When Ananias brought that portion of money from the sale of his property to the church, he claimed that he and Sapphira were giving all the earnings from that sale of that property. So, and he did that with his wife's consent, it says in the Bible. So they talked about it. They planned how they were going to give a portion of this money to the church, but they were going to tell everyone that this was the whole amount. Okay? So Peter then, when, when Ananias brought this portion of money and, and said, you know, this is this, we've sold the property, here's the, here's the proceeds, right? Peter right away knew because the Holy Spirit told him that Ananias was lying. And so let's pick this up in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And look at verse 5. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. She doesn't know that Ananias just dropped dead three hours earlier. Peter asked her, why? Peter asked Sapphira, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are, out, are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. 
When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. So it wasn't just the church, but, but everyone else as well heard what happened. Ananias and Sapphira had a fear of man. Okay? They wanted man's approval over God's approval. They're trying to project an image of themselves that wasn't true. They wanted the people to think that they were just so spiritual and so generous that they're going to give all this money to the church. But that was not the truth. Their motive in giving was for personal gain. It was to impress people, to, to promote themselves. Right? They wanted the attention and praise that Barnabas got. See, Barnabas gave to the church because he feared God. And he wanted to honor God. It was sincere. Ananias and Sapphira gave to the church because they feared man. And they wanted to honor who? Themselves. Ananias and Sapphira were hypocrites. Okay, the Greek word for hypocrisy literally translates an actor. An actor. Ananias and Sapphira were actors. Okay, they were pretending to be something they weren't for their own personal gain. Right? Um, if we put this, I'll give you a couple examples. So maybe one might be um, someone who's on the worship team. Let's do a church example. So someone wants to be on the worship team, right? Now, if someone has a holy fear of God, their, their motive to be on the worship team is to serve God and to lift up his name and to build his kingdom. That's, that's someone who has a holy fear of God. But someone who has a fear of man, okay, they, they want to be on the worship team so they can just be on the stage and so everyone can look at them and they can impress everyone with how spiritual they are and when they're raising their hands and closing their eyes and singing and being all dramatic in worship, they're just acting. They're just acting. They're pretending to be something that they're actually not. And their true motive is not to lift up the name of God, it's to lift up their name. Okay? That's, that's a holy fear and, and a fear of man. Okay? Or, or maybe, maybe you can relate to this. You know, maybe it's someone who, you know, they're... They're, they're just very kind and very polite and very nice. And they're just nice to everybody. And, and the reason they do that, though, isn't because they're trying to love people, but it's because they have a fear of rejection. They have a fear of what other people think. They, they, they can't stand it when someone thinks bad of them. Right? And, and so, so they're just so nice to everybody. And and, and, and they're never going to have a real conversation with anyone. They're never going to give any kind of godly correction. They're not going to be able to be honest with anyone. Right? They're not going to be like in Proverbs 27 when it talks about wounds from a friend can be trusted. They're never going to be that friend that offers wounds out of love. Right? Because of that fear of man. And so who is that person focusing their love on? Is it the people or is it themselves? Because it's, it's that, that fear of man 
It causes them to love themselves more and protect themselves. It's a promotion of self. So the fear of man is what makes people hypocrites. And Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling around and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is in secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Okay, so let's just understand what's happening here. There's thousands of people, thousands it says, coming to see Jesus. Okay, this, this is him and the disciples, they're, they're getting famous. There's thousands of people. So what Jesus does is he takes this moment to give some instruction to his disciples, right? Because this is a moment where someone might be tempted to compromise truth to gain favor and approval from all these thousands of people. Does that make sense? So he takes this moment to teach his disciples and he gives them two uh, important truths about hypocrisy Number one is hypocrisy is contagious. Jesus compares it to yeast that spreads throughout the entire dough, throughout the entire bread. Right? I think this might help us to understand a little bit of why God shut it down so abruptly with Ananias and Sapphira. Right? And it was pretty abrupt. Would you agree? Okay? And the second truth is that hypocrisy can't stay hidden. Eventually, one day, our true motives are going to be revealed. Our true heart, our, that projected image of ourself that we want everyone to see is going to be exposed. Ananias and Sapphira's hypocrisy was exposed to the entire church, and then some. Right? And then look at verse 4. Jesus tells them why people are hypocrites. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. See, the reason we're hypocrites is because we fear man. So he's saying don't fear man. The heart of hypocrisy is the fear of man. But then in verse 5, Jesus gives the remedy for the fear of man. He tells us what we can do to protect us from a fear of man and hypocrisy in our life. Verse 5 says, but I tell you who to, whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Don't you hate it when Jesus minces words and we're just not really clear what he's trying to say and, and, and he's just, I wish if he'd be more direct. <laughs> he said, don't fear man, fear God. Fear the one who can throw you into hell. That's the one you should be fearing. Wow. I like this quote. 
The fear of God frees us from the fear of man. But the fear of man enslaves us by removing our ability to fear God. See, the more we fear God, the more we honor and revere God and his word, the more we tremble and awe as we behold him and his glory, the less we're going to care about pleasing people. How many of you know Jesus did not care about pleasing people? Okay, I'm going to show you that in a minute. But the fear of man and hypocrisy absolutely cost Ananias and Sapphira their life. And and I think it's really important that, that we talk about the judgment of God in this scripture. Because I think that a lot of people walk away from this portion of scripture confused. I really do. And I think a lot of people walk away with a wrong type of fear for God the Father. And so let's talk about this. So, so first of all, let's be really clear. God was the one who ended their life. God ended their life. Okay? This was, this was God's judgment. They didn't have a heart attack. Okay, they weren't just so shocked by what was said. They had a heart attack and died. That's not what happened. God, God ended their life. Okay, God judged them in this moment. Okay, and so um, the first takeaway, I think, of this judgment is, number one, God is serious about hypocrisy in his church. Is that fair? God is serious about this. Okay, and so, and so this, like when you read this, it's shocking because the idea that God kills Ananias and Sapphira when it seems like there's so many other people in the world that have done worse things and survived. Do you know what I'm saying? Or it's seemingly done worse things. And so it's kind of, it's shocking, right? But, but just that alone should tell us how deadly and damaging the fear of God is and how how deadly and damaging hypocrisy is in the church, in our life, in our relationship to, to God, in our ability to serve him and build his kingdom, right? And it should also tell us how much this matters to God. This matters to him. It matters to him when we're hypocrites. It matters You know, this is the start of his church in Acts. I mean, they're, they're gaining momentum every day, and people are coming to Jesus, and his love is spreading like wildfire. He was not about to let that all get derailed by this heart and attitude of hypocrisy and the fear of man. He wasn't going to tolerate a Pharisee spirit in his church. And God was going to confirm the significance of holy fear in his church. When that judgment fell on Ananias and Sapphira, the Bible says, great fear gripped the entire church. And please understand, I don't believe that's talking about a fear that makes people run away from God. But that's talking about holy fear. That brought some tremble and some awe in the church, that judgment. The entire church grew 
in that holy fear of God. They got the clear message that Jesus it was trying to say that God is the one we're supposed to fear. And this matters to God. This is not the first time we see this judgment of those who have a lack of holy fear of God. How many of you remember Aaron's sons? Right? And so in Leviticus 12, it talks about Nadab and Abihu and how each of them uh, took the censer and put fire in it. In Leviticus 10, put incense on it and offered profane fire, it says, before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Like, like this matters to God. You know, they, 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 did, they disobeyed him is what they did. Right? Their actions were irreverent and blasphemous. It was profane fire. They had a good enough attitude in the house of the Lord. This, this isn't what God told us to do, but it should be good enough. They got too familiar with God. Right? And this was, this was God's explanation to Aaron as to why his sons died. Look at Leviticus 10 verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. That was his response. That was his answer to Aaron. God must be reverenced. This matters to God, and it still matters to God now. Okay, the second thing I want to talk about with this judgment is this. The purpose of this story of Ananias and Sapphira, I do not believe, is to make us afraid of the Father. Okay, I don't believe that this is a threat to the church, that we have to constantly be afraid that God's going to kill us, or we're going to drop dead, or we're going to be consumed with fire, right, every time we sin or lie to God or grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's the purpose, that we're supposed to be afraid of that judgment, okay? Or afraid of God the Father. And, and so I think a question that many people ask when, when we read this story is, why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? I mean, this doesn't really make sense. This is the New Testament, right? This is, this is the new covenant in Jesus. This is after Jesus died and rose again. This is after Jesus took the punishment for all of our sins. This is after Jesus faced the wrath of God for our sin. Our sin is forgiven in Jesus. Amen? So why would they have been judged this way? Why, why did God kill them in this moment if, if the wrath and the punishment for, for our sin was already Paid for by Jesus. I don't have the answer to that. But this is the answer I'm going to give you. <laughs> this is my opinion. Okay? This is my opinion. My opinion is that Ananias and Sapphira uh, were not Christians. That's my opinion. 
My opinion is that um, they went to church, but they did not surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. There's lots of people that go to church. But do they have a holy fear of God? Right? And so here's, I just want to qualify that, though. Here's a few reasons why I believe that. Number one, when Peter says um, that Satan had filled their hearts. That's number one for me. Okay, Peter asked Ananias why, why he let Satan fill his heart. So he connected Ananias' lying with a relationship with Satan. John eight forty four says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, number two, Ananias and Sapphira had a very diminished view of God. They had a very diminished view of God. Ananias and Sapphira actually believed that God could not know the true motives of their heart. And they even believed that God didn't hear them have a conversation about conspiring to to lie. (laughs) They didn't believe that God knew their wicked plans. That is a very diminished view of God. Psalm 10:11 says, "The wicked think God isn't watching us. He has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do." Isaiah 29:13 to 15 says, "And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine." They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote, repetition, and routine. I had to look at what that word meant because I've never seen that. I didn't know that word. (laughs) Right? I wonder if that describes, and and to be fair, I think that describes an, an unbeliever and it could describe a believer. Okay, I think the more a believer goes into the, holy, the, the fear of man, I think the more it's going to diminish their view of God. And look at verse 14. Because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away, and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. See, there's just no fear of God there. He's talking about people that are wise in their own eyes. They have more reverence for their own wisdom, right? And God says, I'm going to show them how smart they actually are. We are beanbags next to the wisdom of God. Come on. And look at verse 15. What sorrow awaits those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their evil deeds in the dark? The Lord can't see us, they say. He doesn't know what's going on. See, this describes Ananias and Sapphira, right? And I think it also describes believers as well. But this is what the fear of man does. It starts to diminish the greatness of our God to the point that we even put human limitations on him. Because if he wasn't able to hear their conversation, we're putting a human limitation on him. We're saying he wasn't there. 
How many of you know that God is omnipresent? That God is omniscient? That God is omnipotent? Amen? All-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere at once. But it's, it's that fear of man that starts to diminish our understanding and, and the greatness of God in our hearts and our minds. And, and honestly, I don't think anyone was more shocked by their deaths than they were. I think they were shocked for that second or two before, before they dropped dead. Right? They were completely a bit oblivious to God's ability to know their plans and to see their hearts. Okay, so that's another reason I think that I don't think they were believers. And then number three, their hearts resemble a Pharisee's heart. Okay, so they have that hypocritical, self-promoting, trying to impress people for personal gain kind of attitude. Okay, and, and look at what Jesus, look at Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisee in Matthew chapter 23. And I'm not going to read it all for time's sake, but Matthew 23, verses 13 to 33. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Matthew 23, 13 to 33. But there is an incredible rebuke here. I'm just going to read one verse, verse uh, a couple verses here, verse 27 and 28. Jesus says, he's talking to Pharisees, saying, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Eight times in this portion of Scripture, Jesus calls Pharisees hypocrites. This is the defining characteristic of a Pharisee, and I think this is the defining characteristic of Ananias and Sapphira. Eight times Jesus warns the Pharisees. He says, woe to you. Woe to you means you're in trouble. <laughs> Judgment is coming to you. Eight times he says that to these Pharisees. Right? And then, and then in verse 33, he calls them children of snakes and says they're in the danger of hell. There's Jesus making friends again. Because <laughs> he doesn't care what people think. It's not going to stop him from telling truth. I wonder if more people need to be told that they're in the danger of hell. I wonder if more people would appreciate it before they die that they're in the danger of hell. I wonder. And this is, this is the fourth reason, and, and again, this is my opinion, and we can talk about this, and you can tell me how I'm wrong. But the, the fourth thing is, I believe that God disciplines his children. I don't believe he kills them. Okay? So, so I don't kill one of my children to teach the other one a lesson. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like that before? Yeah, a couple of you? Um. But we know that God disciplines. Hebrews 12 says, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Hallelujah. 
Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate. And you are not really his children at all. So, so that's comforting and encouraging that God disciplines us because that means we are part of his family. That means we are his child. And, and that means he loves us dearly and that's why he's doing it. And, and how many of you know that there's nothing that we can do there's nothing we can do that's ever going to make God love us less. Is that true? But it's just as true that there's also things we can do that displease him. Isaiah, there's nothing that you can do that's going to make me love you less. Nothing. But there is things that he's done. <laughs> and I've got a list, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there are things that, that displease the Father. When we disobey, when we act like hypocrites, when we're selfish, right? So he'll discipline us because he loves us. I don't think, though, he wants his children to be afraid of him. And, and I think we're going to constantly be afraid of God if we think at any moment he's going to consume us with fire. That's going to be hard to come into relationship with, with a father that way. Right? We, we fear him in holy fear. We respect him. We respect his discipline. Okay? But, but at, at, when the discipline's over, we can still love each other and hug each other because it's... it's it's the Father, right? And, and you know what? I also don't believe that we should ever cast that judgment on another believer or proclaim that another believer is going to drop dead where they stand because of their sin. And, and, and that's been done in the church. Right? And people say, you better watch out. God's going to drop you where you stand if you keep that up. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right to say that to someone. And here's why. Number one, we've all lied to God. We're, we're all hypocrites. We've established that already. And only a hypocrite can say to someone, you know, and, and cast that judgment on someone because they're just as guilty. They're just as much deserving of being dropped dead as the person that they're judging and accusing. Right? And if it's true that God will smite us every time we're dishonest with God and our faith, then we better, as a church, we better have lots of body bags ready on Sunday morning when we start singing, I surrender all. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know I've sung that knowing that I have not surrendered all. Anybody else? <laughs> so... You know, we better get that in the budget, some body bags. and <laughs> And the other, thing, the other reason why we, we should never say that to someone is because you are the righteousness of God. That's who you are in Jesus. This is your position as a child of God. And your sin, even your willful sin, does not change your position as a child of the Most High. As the righteousness of God. That's who you are.
You know, I think when we read this story, and I'm just closing with this. I think when we read this story, for most people, it's very shocking. And, and the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? It's, it's very shocking. Like you're just, you just got through the love of Jesus, and now, and now you're Ananias and Sapphira. And like, what happened? Right, it's just very shocking. And, and um, you know, whether this was the first time you hear your story today or the 50th time, you know, I've heard it so many times, but for me, it's still, it's still shocking. It's still, it shocks us. Like, just consider it. Ananias drops dead for lying. Then they bury him without even telling his wife. And then she first learns of her husband's death when Peter tells her that she's about to join him. He says, the ones who buried your husband, she's like, buried Who? are the ones at the door, and they're going to put you in the ground too. And God kills her. I mean, that's, that's shocking, right? But this is what I think should be so much more shocking about this story. Is that we sin against God. That we lie to God. That we are hypocrites. But God didn't kill us. He allowed his own son to be killed for us. That is shocking. That is jaw-dropping. What a God. What a Savior. Hallelujah. That's the biggest takeaway of this story It's amazing grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. Invite our worship team forward. And we're going to spend a little more time here worshiping God. Um, We do this because um, we want to give everyone an opportunity to respond to what God's been saying to you during this whole service, this whole day, this whole week maybe, okay? And so let's worship him, but let's respond to whatever that voice is. Let's respond. Maybe we got some hypocrisy that we need to deal with, you know? Maybe there's, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to show us some areas in our life where we have a fear of man that we need to repent of so that we can have a proper fear of God. Okay? And so we're going to worship. You go ahead and stand, sit, whatever you want. But let's engage the Lord at this time. Okay? And I'm also going to invite our prayer team forward at this time. So prayer team, if you could come and stand at the front. So if you'd like to come for prayer during this time, I want to invite you to do that too.